Welcome to Office Hours, a social science podcast produced at the University of Minnesota, featuring conversations with prominent scholars, researchers, and other movers and shakers in the social world. Today we are talking with Shai Drome about his recent article published in the Sociological Forum titled, Penny for Your Thoughts, Beggars and the Exercise of Morality in Daily Life. Shai argues that past studies of the city have mischaracterized interactions between people passing by and people asking for money due to the focus on risk, fear, and crime. Instead, for many people in Shai's study, homeless people's request for money actually provided a dimension of moral reflection to the urban landscape. Thank you for joining us today, Shai. Hi, Kyle. Thanks for asking me. Uh, to start, perhaps you can tell us a bit about how you became interested in this topic. Sure. Um, so I started grad school with a general interest in distant suffering and uh, especially how it, how it is that we respond to some forms of social suffering and not to others. And uh, well, living in New Haven, which has substantial levels of poverty, I thought mm-hmm. the most obvious place to start um, looking into this question would be in the city streets and more specifically in the ways... Um, in which people experience and account for their interactions with beggars, uh, because, like in many other cities, we're very we're very likely to be approached by beggars here. Uh, but understandably, you can't help uh, most or even uh, some of them mm-hmm. often. Uh, so, to me, the interesting question uh, was how do we reconcile our decisions, uh, what to do, with more general ideas about proper responses to people who uh, ask for our help. Now, when I started looking at the literature and urban sociology about this, um, I saw that a lot of it was um, talking about encounters with strangers in the street in a um, very negative um, manner. So, okay. yeah, so the assumption was often that people will be uh, kind of instinctively, instinctively put off or intimidated by uh, beggars, by street vendors, and other uh, strangers in the street. Um, and um, other, th- there were obviously other studies that were more ethnographic and more mm-hmm. um, deeply engaged with this matter uh, who looked at the experience of the um, requester, at the, the experience of the homeless person or the beggar. But in both cases, I didn't see much talk about how the actual passerby experiences this request rather than very abstract notions of uh, harassment. So would it be accurate to say that the majority of literature was from the public policy or planning perspective and just saying, how do we make our city seem safe? Yeah, yeah absolutely. There was a lot of... Uh, so the what stands behind this is uh, was often the uh, Broken Windows thesis. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was grasping the full experience people have in the city. Mm-hmm. So how did you go about uh, doing the research for your project? Well, I started by making a snowball sample of people who either lived in or uh, worked in downtown New Haven and some other surrounding cities, especially those who were employed regularly or uh, were students. Okay. So by, by snowball sample, you mean that you were just basically networking through people that you encountered right. or knew? Okay. Right. Absolutely. And my, the logic was that these people would be very likely to come into contact with these sometimes beggars. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I wanted to do is to interview them and see how they frame those experiences. So I conducted uh, 31 interviews with uh, such people, and I asked them uh, mainly to tell me stories to kind of recount various encounters with uh, strangers who needed their 
help, and most of them, uh, the vast majority actually, thought, uh, thought immediately about beggars. Okay. And as they were walking through the, um, both the encounter and their decision whether to help or not, then I try to play, pay attention to the ways they uh, frame their decision, they, the way they describe uh, what they were doing. And I especially was looking for ways um, about describing their own morality, uh, their moral character uh, by recounting their experience. So I was looking for ways they represent the um, correctness and the appropriateness of their behavior and what it means about their own character. So instead of talking about their experience and how they were scared or uh, something caused fear, they were trying to work through and justify their decision to give or not give money. Is that right? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously fear or safety concerns were there to some extent, but that didn't color their entire uh, perception of what the city streets are mm-hmm. and how they should act in them. So a lot of it was actually about what was right to do uh, in terms of this specific beggar or that specific beggar's request. Okay. Uh, so another uh, another thing I was I was also trying to talk to them about is cases where they chose not to help or cases in which they tried um, to avoid being asked altogether. You know, by mm-hmm. changing the route, uh, by avoiding eye eye contact. Uh, so I really amassed um, a sizable um, collection of of uh, stories, and I also. Uh, complemented this by an online survey that was open-ended and basically asked the same questions in a more simple simple way. Mm-hmm. Again, just to try to uh, get more examples of the themes I was getting. Oh, okay. Uh, so where were the people located who ended up filling out your online survey? Oh, that was, that was fairly diverse. A lot of, well, a lot of them were in big cities in LA, uh, New York, DC, but also I had some smaller locations, uh, several from Minnesota. It was, okay. it was fairly diverse. So uh, what, did, what did you end up finding? Yeah. Well, generally, well, I had two main findings, I think, to this, to this study. The first was, as we, as we said, that fear and anxiety were not as central uh, as we might think. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though people were, were um, familiar with common sense safety rules, but you did get a lot of people saying stuff like, yeah, I knew it was probably not the smartest thing to do, but it was daytime and it was a busy street and, you know, this guy really looked like he needed my help. So there was a lot of mitigation of the effect of fear and safety. But the second the second finding that I think is the more uh, interesting one is that people were indeed finding their interactions with beggars or other strangers to be uh, very, very meaningful, not only about the city as a whole, but about their own moral character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so rather than trying to shut these encounters out of their life world, people really often reflected on them and did a lot of, a lot of did a lot in order to reconcile the way they choose to uh, respond to requests with, like broader notions of justice or ethic or just moral behavior that they held. So was the result uh, that people figure out a way to present themselves as good? or moral or just people, even as they chose not to help people who are clearly in need? Well, I mean, there were several ways they were handling this. I mean, I was more, I can't say about anything that it was uh, the really dominant mode, because this is really a diverse dilemma. There there are really diverse ways in which people handle uh, this type of uncertainty. But yeah, in the vast majority of cases, people had 
ways in, in which they represented their own behavior as being moral, even though some of them chose to decline and other other people chose to uh, help some people and other people chose to help everyone. Yeah, so I can say I can say that there were several different ways of uh, dealing with this. One of the things I liked about your article was how you provided a number of examples of how people work through this process. Um, so one person said, if their shoes are nicer than mine, then I won't give them money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you had people um, saying stuff like, um, yeah, if, if someone's shoes are nicer than me, then they're obviously uh, lying. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they don't really need money. Other people saying, well, he had really good diction. diction. Uh, there's no way he's, he's really homeless. You know, it's just a kind of uh, bored, rich kid who, you know, just yeah. ran away, should go home, stuff like that. Yeah, so there was a lot of, like, um, there were a lot of people looking for clues in a person's appearance, in a person's uh, demeanor uh, as to what they were really like. You know, reading this article also forced me to reflect upon my own experience in situations like this. And um, it made me really think about my sociological background, where when I choose not to give money, I always think about, well, it wouldn't lead to some sort of structural change, and that's what really matters. Um, <laughs> and without changing uh, all the forces that lead to us, then I'm, then I'm not really accomplishing something. So I'm doing the same type of, of uh, project to make myself seem moral when I'm not helping yeah, someone in need. Yeah, we had, well, another uh, different strategy was really um, trying to people... Uh, really citing um, kind of the system or structural mm-hmm. causes or um, even like just broad ethics saying like why they shouldn't really help people in need basically because saying stuff like well I'm just gonna give this poor guy a dollar might end up with them going to uh, buy alcohol and that would just contribute to their um, addiction. So there was a lot of there, were, there was a lot of talk about like what the experts, quote unquote, are saying, or um, you know who should who should be responsible for these people. For example, is it the city? Mm-hmm. Is there um, you know another agency that should be in charge? Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of people were not looking at the one specific person trying to assess does this person deserve or not uh, my help, but actually saying, well, out of principle, I'm uh, either helping everyone or not helping everyone, but uh, there is an underlying structural reason for this. Now, this might be a bit of a difficult question, but I'm wondering, did you get a sense that people are talking about these experiences and encounters in a positive light somehow, or if not positive, at least as a situation where they learned about themselves and that led to growth? Um, because I'm thinking about, in comparison to prior literature, yeah. uh, it would suggest that any of these encounters could lead to fear, and that's a bad thing. We don't want that. Well, first thing, I was really surprised by how many people knew beggars by name, and definitely associated positive mm-hmm. interactions with them, but the, especially knowing a beggar's name was, in my opinion, striking. Yeah. Um I can tell you about specific uh, people here in New Haven who were um, the, several different interviewees knew their their name and knew a lot about their story, their uh, how they got to to the state in which they're um, they're on the street um, uh, begging, and um, also these people were doing a lot in order to help 
those specific people. So it was almost like they're part of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely in these cases, you can say that it was a very positive, positive experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there were other cases in which I can't say it was perceived as positive, but I can say that it definitely elicited a lot of uh, reflection about one's moral character. Mm-hmm. One interviewee spoke of a guy she chatted with in the park and he was homeless and she was really she was really interested in his story and um well she she came back the next day trying to like with something for him and he wasn't there and that really got her thinking about what her obligation should be and what sort of things she can do in order mm-hmm. to help uh, others so that was also sort of read like a positive um, experience in terms of her own uh, moral character. So in your article, you briefly mentioned the idea of authenticity. It, it wasn't the central argument, um, but I'm wondering if you could talk a bit more about yeah. what you mean about that term and whether that relates to this uh, trend of people moving to the city or seeking out urban environments instead of the suburban communities because they want something that seems more real or or more gritty or uh, I guess more authentic to, to reuse that very same term that we haven't defined yet yeah um, I got some idea about um, about the importance of this uh, this the notion of authenticity especially because um, you know just to just to take the time to assess someone who you just met or and you're not gonna remain in contact with just to take the time and assess their authenticity mm-hmm. is a relatively complex engagement, right? I mean, it's yeah. um, this is not something that I would intuitively expect um, people to do. Uh, so definitely the concern with uh, authenticity is something that, that is prevalent among, among uh, people in the city. And it also, I think, attests to... Um, their desire for diversity, their desire to uh, come into contact yeah. with new people, with different people, uh, which is something that the city, rather than the suburb, uh, provides. Now, of course, you can't say that this is um, this is a generalizable this is a generalizable finding. Uh, obviously, there there are a lot of people who would prefer to remain in the suburbs yeah. and uh, come into mostly contact mostly with a homogenous group but at the same time i think this counter movement is something that's very interesting and we should continue to to explore what different engagements people are looking for uh when they come to work or live in the city okay uh before we go is this part of a larger project of yours or something that you're continuing to work on well I am continuing to work on this, but in a very very different way well as i said as i said in the beginning i was um my original interest was in distance suffering, and I came back a little bit to that to that other side of the spectrum by looking at how institutions formalize various ways of ascertaining moral character and how they offer us narratives about what it is exactly that makes us moral people. Again, even if we can't really intervene in uh, situations of distance suffering. So mm-hmm. here I'm going to the extreme macro level and focusing on the Red Cross oh, okay. movement in its early years, especially in the francophone world. Yeah. And what I'm trying to show is that in this, this intersection of um, religious revival, political upheavals, and continuous war, that those were the contexts in which the Red Cross emerged, uh, that 
this intersection can cause significant uncertainty about a society's moral character, and this uncertainty uh, brings forth various strategies of uh, accounting for a society's morality. Okay. Um, well, thank you again for writing this fascinating article and also coming in to talk to us. Uh, we, re- we really appreciate it, Shai. It was great talking to you. Thanks for asking me.